and welcome to another episode of Story Screen Reports, the Story Screen Podcast, where I, host Robert Anderson, tell you the top five news stories of the month, or if I skipped a month before, maybe two months. I tell you what the news is, or at least what I think the best news is in the world of TV, movies, and entertainment. Uh, this is not the only podcast Story Screen does. Uh, if you're here, just keep in mind that Story Screen does pop-ups other podcasts uh, we got we got other stuff we got other stuff we got members service things we do a bunch of shit please check out our website storyscreenpresents.com to uh, find out about all the stuff that we do but now that i got that out of the way yes i'm host robbie anderson here with another episode of story screen reports talking about the news i'm joined by a uh, series regular the white knight of movies mike burge Man, you're really so. I got a night. <laughs> I've got a really good bit planned for this yeah. episode. I I don't know if you can. We guess didn't talk what about is, this. I, I but I've got a recorder. Had a flute. I've got a recorder, a nice little uh, a Clark flute, and I feel like uh, I feel like it's going good so far. Is the bit? Is the bit? Just that you have it can be. Record- I mean, technically, that is just that's the entire <laughs> that bit. Is but the, the bit is not like I feel oh, it's symbolic of. No, I feel like it'll grow. Okay. I don't know how to play it. Can you? Can you do? Can you give me a tune after I'm like story number one, and then I get a little. Go for it. All right. So the way story screen reports works, <laughs> it's not what I said to do. I'm gonna do it <laughs> the way story screen reports works is I pick out five news stories in the world of TV, film, and entertainment. Uh, We go through these stories one by one. I tell you the headline of the article. I tell you who wrote it. I I tell you what publication it's for. And then me and Mike will discuss that headline. We will break down the news. We will digest the news and turn it into a lump, stinky news poop. Whoa. Uh, So, without further ado, story number one. This is when you. This is when you're supposed to play the flute. Oh this shit! I, I put it you. down. Can you get the flute? I also have story an air, number. I have an air duster. I don't want. Oh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> Was that bad? Oh it's wow! Yeah, good. that really just blew that it's out. I'll, I'll mark that down. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. I'm don't sorry do about that. that. Uh, story number one. <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. I like the flute. I like the flute. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood writer strike is over as Union wins major concessions from studios. This is written by Austin Goslin and Ollie Welsh at Polygon. The 2023 writer strike is over. The, writer, the Writers Guild of America, an alliance of motion picture and television producers, a collection of Hollywood's biggest studios, came to a, quote, tentative agreement on a new contract on Sunday, heralding the end of the WGA strike that started on May 2nd. On Tuesday, WGA leadership announced that it would call an end to the strike just after midnight, and all TV and movie writers would be free to return to work on Wednesday. It also published the terms of the deal, showing several sizable concessions its negotiating team had won from studios. The terms of the new deal, as published by the WGA and analyzed by The Hollywood Reporter, include yearly minimum pay increases of 3.5 to 5% over the next three years for most writers, Strict limitations on the use of AI by both studios and writers. A plan for residual compensation for writers who work on successful streaming shows and movies, plus 
limited visibility on streaming companies' data for the union. A minimum size of three writers, four writers' rooms, and minimum contract length, increased foreign residuals, and more. Quote, we can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional, with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. End quote from the WGA said on the Sunday that this article was published. So, uh, we've been talking about Strike Talk now for uh, since May, so, you know, many it's months kind of taking, now. It's taken everything over. You can't really talk about yeah. anything else. You couldn't really talk about anything else. It didn't feel right to kind of talk about anything else. Um, and, yeah, it's good that we'll be talking about, you know, the strike for uh, the, the labor disputes in Hollywood are not yet over. Actors are still on strike. We're going to be talking more about that in story number two. But uh, this does seem like a exceptional win for the WGA. Uh, not too much to talk about because it does seem like it's unanimously a win. I think pretty much all, if you follow any writers on social media, uh, they all seem to be happy with this deal. I think the only thing people are nervous about is the, uh, it's a tentative agreement. It's only three years. Uh, hopefully, you know, when they have to come back to the table in three years and talk about what's next, it will be uh, similar, if not the same deal. Um, but I feel like, you know, I included on our like show notes, a link to like the summary, the summary of, this deal and a breakdown the WGA made on the website talking about like exactly what they got, but I don't know. Sounds good. Sounds like a win for everybody. It does. I mean, and that three year thing too is like that works both ways. Like it's, you know, studios could fuck around in three more years and we could be right back where we started, but also things could change again. And the guild gets to kind of like approach things like anything that's changed technology or AI and all that stuff. They get to like kind of redo it. Like, one of the weirdest things on this is that they get they caved on not caved like in like a negative sense, but it does seem like the plus limited visibility on the streaming company's data for the union. It's like the limited visibility is just like why? What is so fucking hard about these companies being like transparent with their data? Yeah, like it's like I don't like I understand like, data? Yeah. yeah, like I understand that they maybe want to like keep some reserve because like that's kind of like their data is like their that is like that's their power like they that's their money everything yeah. is data now but it just seems so weird that like the people who are like making it happen like i feel like they should have access to that so they know what they're doing is working i don't know it just feels like a power move and it's just like what are you guys trying to hide the fact that like not that many people watched red notice like we all yeah. know that i haven't met a single person who has seen that movie have you met anyone who's seen no. Red Notice? No, I fucking haven't. Did you watch Go Is it Ghosted? Is the other one? I have. Oh, that's on Apple. I Plus, am so right? fucking excited. I'm trying to pick between that and Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm trying to <laughs> figure out which one I kind of want. You should obviously watch Ghost. You should obviously watch Ghosted. My the, my return to cinema. <laughs> my return to cinema. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like you know, luckily. It seems these streaming services are going to now be more forthright with uh, viewer data because it's going to affect uh, residuals now, which is cool. Um, but yeah, it does beg the question of like why. I mean, I feel like it's just uh, because TV is more of like like t like network television is more of like a known quantity that's been around for a while, and. Uh, ratings and viewership numbers was just something that 
was a part of what we kind of can see now is like the old regime. And when streamers started coming up and they realized that they didn't have to play by the same rules as network television, they took that to a level that then caused a strike. Cause mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's just what happened is that <clears throat> streaming was something that like, you know, Netflix was a thing that distributed DVDs. It was just a blockbuster. Then they got into television, but it wasn't network television. So it was kind of like, writing a different rule book and then writers, you know, started going to these streaming services, going to places like Netflix, writing for them and then realizing like, oh, they're not giving us the same things that network TV has been giving us for years. And now we need to like really start fighting for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it seems that, you know, they won. But it's the thing I think with any time these studios have these like weird things that they do or are like hiding their information, it's just because why unless they have to do these things why would they because they're greedy corporate giants and you have to kind of like not respect it but you understand you're like well yeah if they don't have to do it then why the fuck would they you know right you're just like don't you want people to know that you know uh, avengers endgame made over a billion dollars like you want people to know that yeah so why would you don't want people to know that multiverse of madness didn't make a billion dollars you know what i mean if so they could hide one but one like one relies on the other like if you're gonna be transparent with like how successful your successful movies are then also like that information is out there we see the box office numbers for the same thing like multiverse madness and so it's just like they're just playing the game where it's like well if we hide everything we can say whatever we want yeah you know and we can be like you know we're gonna make a a bunch of these uh to all the boys i've ever loved because people watch them And that's uh, it. Apparently people watch them. Like, it's like, oh, okay, people watch those. Yeah, the real question is, like, who watches some of this fucking absolute garbage? And also, I'm not saying that the To All the Boys I've Ever Loved, P.S. I Love You, XOXO, uh, uh, XOXO, uh, you know, Meet Me in the Bathroom. Um, I'm sure people like those. I've actually heard, like, pretty good stuff about them as far as, like, sure. current teen rom-coms. But yeah, when you start talking about stuff like Red Notice and it, Red Notice is kind of just like the bastard child of it, like where you're just like, you're not fooling fucking anybody with this shit. I mean, shit. I would say the same thing about The Gray Man, but it does seem like people Oh, The Gray Man, though, it, people did watch people The Gray Man because they were watched like Ryan yeah. Gosling, Chris Evans. Like, yeah, it's like the fact that like The Rock and Ryan Reynolds, like that movie came out right at the pinnacle of just like, we're kind of tired of these guys. Like, unless Ryan Reynolds is uh, wearing a Deadpool costume and walking next to Hugh Jackman wearing a comic book accurate suit, which there is an image of that out on the Internet that you can see from. I don't know if people out there have seen it. um, It's from uh, it's it's from behind the scenes on Deadpool three. A movie um, that has gotten delayed. A movie that has gotten delayed. <laughs> a movie that a movie in a fr- a franchise that is like um, pretty much like completely hung on improvisation from Ryan yes. Reynolds, uh, like an onset, and they're just like, you can't change the script. And I'm like, well, just stop making the fucking movie. Yeah, I think we're I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. Then. I keep I keep watching too, like on the writer strike angle too, because the last time we had a writer strike uh, in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big movies that came out, we talked about this on an episode or two ago, uh, was 
James Bond, uh, Quantum of Solace, was like a movie that was not oh, allowed yeah. to be touched. The script was not allowed to be touched in any way except by Daniel Craig, <clears throat> who was also a producer on it. So he was the only one that was allowed to change the, the script loophole. in any way. And he had that great line where he was just like, a writer I am not. And I keep putting Quantum of Solace on on silent in the background at the bar that I work at. Because it's just, it, all the James Bonds are up on Amazon Prime right now. We have that loaded up on the TV. So I, I keep putting that one on specifically and just watching it. And it's like, if you don't have the terrible dialogue in it, because that movie has some really bad dialogue. It's got some good, it's got some good zingers. But like, sure. it looks, I, I think it looks so good. And mm. it kind of is a testament to just like, you have to have the balance of these things. Like something can look flashy, be entertaining and well-made, but if you don't have like meat behind it, it's just kind of like, everybody thinks of that as like the absolute worst uh, Daniel Craig Bond movie, which it's not. That's uh, Spectre. Um, but yeah, I, I just keep thinking about that. And then like the fact that like the second Transformers movie is like also up there where you just watch that thing and it looks like dog shit. And it also yeah. sounds like dog shit. Well, I think people, you know, for eons, people eons. have under eons. People uh -huh. have undervalued uh, the the importance of writing in film and TV. I think people are. It's always like writers are kind of like the butt of the joke, where it's just like you know, and it's hard with like movies and TV and like a visual medium where. You know, something is written, the, the, the written word and what's on the page is the skeleton. And then there's like hundreds of people that kind of make it come, that breathe life into it and make it like a thing that we watch. Yes, yes. But I do think that uh, this is like a, a weird example, but I've been playing the new Spider Man game. Spider Man. <gasps> Spider Man. Spider Man. Spider -Man uh, stronger together? Stronger together they are. Greater together. Greater? Greater together. Be, that's what, that's be greater? Be greater together. Make Spider-Man great again. <laughs> too too great, too furious. Okay. Uh, and you know the game is you know on PS5. It looks amazing. Mm. They added the wingsuit, but the best innovation in that game from Spider-Man One and Spider-Man Miles Morales. I feel like I know what you're writing. Oh, okay. The, I thought you were going to talk oh, yeah, about the, the fast travel. I saw you fucking losing your mind uh, on it's social media. Well, that's that's you were just ridiculous. Like, uh, I was like, no. Robbie likes think, it. He likes the, he likes the fast the, travel. I think the true... I don't even use... But it's funny because I don't even use fast travel. Right. It, it's the point. same thing with like Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. It's like, why would you use the fast travel? Ride the horsey. Yeah. I want to see the Wild West. But uh, yeah, I feel like in Spider-Man 2, the greatest innovation of that game is that the writing is so much better. And the writing was good in the other games, but like the side missions were, you know, there's nothing going on. <laughs> yeah. There. There's not really any Spider-Man, I can't find my cat. Help me find my cat, Spider-Man. Whereas like in this one, you might have like, help me find my cat, Spider-Man. But also like, his name's Mittens. I got mittens when my wife died. I love mittens. I grew up in the Bronx. I lived here for years. It's the last, like, it's the last the piece of my wife that I have. <laughs> like that is like the level of writing in side missions in Spider-Man. It just like it it just makes like it makes New York City feel more alive. It makes sure. it feel like a community. The boroughs feel like they're different areas. And, and it's all is a testament to the writing. That's specific you know? high praise for that game too, because like that first game, you know, the, again, like the main story, the like core, the core story is great. The conclusion of that game is like one of the most like affecting things where you're just like, am I like about to cry at like something yeah. that Doc Ock is saying to Spider-Man in this <laughs> video game that I'm playing? A feeling I haven't had in Spider-Man media in like 10 years plus. You'd be, inc <laughs> fucking, uh, we got a lot of spider You're going to cry we during Homecoming? 
I mean, when Michael Keaton like realizes that he's when he re- it's a, it's, it's, it's a moment. It's a Spider-Man. <laughs> it's so good. I still need to watch. Um, I probably I probably teared up when uh, Morbius. No way home. You what? haven't seen Morbius? I have not. I have not morbed. It's time. I, I, it's I, time. I skipped Morbin time. I know it's the most important meal of the day, uh, but I, I skipped it. Um, I do need to watch it, though, because I keep seeing images from it, and it's getting crazier and crazier. I'm just like, wait, that's it is in funny the that movie? You, probably, you have seen so much of it out of context. I have no idea it what the movie's about. It I know that seen. he's like, it's... he's a... He's, a little doctor that's doctoring, and I think he's sick. And he he's sick. he uses yeah. he uses um, a waterfall to become like a vampire person, and uh, and vultures in it. That is all that I know. I have no idea what that story is about. Vulture is the sting. He is not in the movie. He is at, he is the stinger scene. And it is. Have you seen what that scene is? No. in its entirety. It is. Bonkers. I mean, isn't that what happened in like, it's like he's, he just shows up and he's just like, hey, I'm here in your world. I think it has something to do with Spider-Man. Perfect. And then Morbius is just like, I think so. And then the movie ends. <laughs> Sounds fucking fantastic. That's I can't not, believe I'm not I haven't even, seen like, changing, this yet. I'm not even changing the dialogue that much. That is a line. Is it, is it in Venom in that where scene. he shows up at the end and he's just like, I drive a, 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 a an ambulance. Fuck you! I'm the vulture. Like, isn't that isn't that like in Venom yeah. at the end of Venom or something? Yeah, it's just like, why are we setting up? Why do you guys think we care about Michael Keaton's uh, vulture that much? No, we care about Scorpion. I don't bring him back. Yeah, I mean, justice for Scorpion. Yeah. Story number two. Can I get the flute? <clears throat> Actually, I found other things to make noises with. You know, I really like the flute. Um, let's see here. So this is Velcro. It's not as good as the flute. I got it's like kind of a musical. Oh, wait, this Velcro is even better. Here we go. This would be good. This would be. Two this would be good. Huh? Got that? It sounds bad. All right, and then I got okay. Scotch tape. The f- the foley on this one. Actor Strike sees no end in sight after studio negotiations <laughs> go awry. <laughs> Uh, this is written by Andrew Dalton for USA Today. Before I continue into this article, I do want to say uh, the negotiations for uh, actors and studios are happening today. So I was saying it's like literally be, happening this afternoon. It's like like, like literally while we're talking today. right so now. This, yeah. Yes, so this article may be you know a bit out of date, but you know if they end up uh, coming to a deal, here's some context for how things are not so good. Yeah, we are for for context, we are recording this on Tuesday, October 24th. This episode is coming yeah. out I believe Monday the 30th, so we're we're recording yes. this a little in advance, so if something changes, you know, deal with it. I don't know. And now and you'll know the things, you'll know the context. Things change all the time. <laughs> it's true. We can't know all the news. Mm-mm. But without further ado, Talks, uh, talks bitterly broke off between Hollywood actors and studios late Wednesday, killing any hopes that a three-month strike by performers would come to an end anytime soon. The studios announced that they have suspend- they had suspended contract negotiations, saying the gap between the two sides was too great, continuing despite an offer as good as the one recently ended by the right to strike. Continuing, the actors' union decreed their opponents, quote, bullying tactics, uh... 
and said they were wildly mischaracterizing their offers. Quote, It is clear that the gap between the AMTP and SAG-AFTRA is too great and conversations are no longer moving us in a productive direction. End quote. Uh, the SAG-AFTRA proposal would cost companies an additional $800 million a year and create, quote, an untenable economic burden, the statement said. In a letter to members sent early Thursday, SAG-AFTRA said that that figure was overestimated by 60%. The union said its negotiations were, quote, profoundly disappointing and studios had broken off talks. Quote, we have negotiated with them in good faith, despite the fact that Last week, they presented an offer that was shockingly worth less than they proposed before the strike began, end quote. Actors have been on strike over issues including increases in pay for streaming programming and control of their images generated by artificial intelligence. The AMPTP insisted its offer had been generous as the deals that brought an end to the writer's strike and brought a new contract to the directors of the guild earlier this year. But the union letter to actors said the company's quote, refuses to protect performers from being replaced by AI, they refuse to increase your wages to keep up with inflation, and they refuse to share a tiny portion of the immense revenue your work generates for them, end quote. From the start, the actors' talks had nothing like the momentum that spurred marathon night and weekend sessions in the writer's strike, and brought that work stoppage to an end. Actors and studios have taken several days off after resuming, and there were no reports of meaningful progress despite direct involvement from the heads of studios, including Disney and Netflix, as there had been in the writer's strike. So, uh, yeah, it seems like talks between studios and actors really dissolved uh, at the time this article was written, which was the other day. Uh, And hopefully a more meaningful negotiation can happen later today. Um, But yeah, I mean, maybe not too much to say about this one either, but uh, yeah, I hope hopefully actors can get like a more impactful deal um, similar to what the writers won, but it is just insane. The lack of budgeting, the lack of budging studios have on just like, well, we want to own your image in perpetuity forever to use for AI intelligence, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Did you see that, uh, image that was going, that, that clip that was going around of like the, um, Oh, the clapping, the Disney plus, the, like, uh, yeah. like I, I prom night or whatever. Go, let's, let's go to the prom, uh, whatever yeah. it was. And it's like, yeah, it's all like the cartoons in the background that are clapping like Sims characters. Ooh. Yeah. It's just like, what the fuck is this what you want? No. Apparently like that is a thing that like, I mean, that example is funny. It's not like exactly what this is talking about. Even though I do no, think not, like, that is like a very for, cheap, dumb version of like what they're trying to do. Yeah. And also like, you know, uh, uh, generating bodies for crowds yeah. has been around for a long time. Yes. It, that's not uh, a perfect example of what's going on. It is just kind of it's interesting that social media popularity eyes are on this kind of thing now and looking and out for it and sharing it. Yes. Yeah. 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 I will say though, like, you know, even in that example though, like the thing I take issue with, it's just like, you know, this isn't a stadium with a million people in it and you have to like generate a bunch of <laughs> yeah. bodies. Like it's, it's a, it's a bleacher with like 15 people. Yeah. You've got like, what? hire a guy, six, <laughs> six, like you got like six cartoons back there. Like you couldn't just get six more people that would be more than happy to be in a show. 
exactly and it's like it's like you're really saving that much money by like you know not putting a human there i mean they're probably saving some money but i don't know the whole thing with the money it's just like all these people make so much goddamn money and they're not brad pitt you know i don't i they're not they're not julie uh, robert i don't no i don't care about them david zaslov is that his name i can't even remember i can't even remember He he sucks don't give him money. Give um, Miles Teller. My, well, yeah, yeah. Are we cool, with Miles Teller? Right now, I think he's been. Beha- I mean, it's like, he's been behaving himself he's since been Top behaving, Gun Maverick. But never, so but never forget. We'll never see. Forget, we'll though. see. We'll see. People change. <laughs> People change. I love uh, that story about Tom Cruise pulling into the side and like, do not fuck this up. I will do I'll not you. like you. Be you. None of your bullshit. That is funny. If Tom Cruise told me to like. Act correct. Oh, I would, without a doubt. Tom Cruise could tell me to murder my parents, and I probably would. Probably <laughs> it depends. But if he like, was I just like, right. you have, you right, you have to do this. I'll be your best friend if you just like take him out. I'm like, yeah. It's like, all right, well, I do want, I do want a best friend named Tom Cruise. I do. Hey, I do. I would like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, you know, not too much. The most we could say is that, yeah, we really hope that they can get like a fair deal yeah. that is of equivalency to what the writers won. Uh, I do think, given you know, the overwhelming positivity from press and people inv- involved in the WGA with what they won in their negotiations, I would like to think that SAG will have similar successes. Um. And also, like, you know, more power to them. It's that they uh, are not budging, you know. And yeah. there's a lot of, you know, I, I work, work with an actor that he's one of these jobbing actors that, like, you know, he bartends with me, but he, like, uh, can't work right now and do that kind of stuff. And he, and it just, like, sucks. And he's, like, you know, just one of those dudes where it's, like, yeah, I got to get my two gigs a year to even get, like, SAG health insurance, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you got to do. And, uh so yeah, I mean, labor is labor. Hopefully, we are protecting these people. Uh, I mean, it's, and protecting these jobs. We've said it before, like because like there's really it's more of the same bullshit with this one that we talked about in like past episodes. But it really is just like at the end of the day, no matter what the producers say or what they think technology is, they cannot they cannot make these things without writers and actors. They can't do it. They can't. The industry is done. You cannot just make cartoons for the rest of your life. Because yeah. people also need to you can't voice Roger those Rabbit things. These yeah, fucking like people. it's it's yeah. not. It's just like everybody needs to stop. Everybody on the side of the studios needs to stop being little fucks and just like yeah. get it over with. It's like ruining people's fucking lives. Just stop. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, it seems like the things they really need to win is is like the three things kind of cited in this article, um, which is like you know protections against AI. Increase the weight to wages to keep up with inflation and, you know, just sharing a tiny portion of their massive revenue. But let us now leave Strike Talk and move on to story number three. Can I get the flute? Oh, I actually also found um, a I wheel. Flute. I just want I have the flute. a wheel. You hear that? That one sounds kind of good. Thanks. I don't like the sound of You're that. welcome. Halloween Miramax slashes into TV rights to the franchise written by John Squires at bloody disgusting. 
In the wake of Bloody Disgusting's exclusive report about Malik Akkad's uh, Malik Akkad's Transcasts International Films shopping the t- for the TV rights to the Halloween franchise with Miramax and A24 in the mix, Deadline has officially confirmed that Miramax has landed the TV rights. Deadline reports Miramax uh what is the quote? Deadline reports, quote, Miramax Television has signed a wide-ranging deal with Trancast to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series, which also includes a first-look agreement on other television projects for the international marketplace, end quote. The site report continues, quote, The new Halloween series is envisioned to potentially launch a cinematic universe spanning film and television. Miramax's head of global TV, Mark Helwig, will be overseeing the franchise creatively in close collaboration with Akkad, end quote. And then the final quote of the article is, quote, Jointly controlling both film, both the film and TV rights would allow Miramax and Trancast to map out an integrated film and TV universe. Deadlines report also notes. Uh, Mike, it is good to see studios learning from their mistakes because people want shared universes. People want more (sighs) TV. People want prequels. People want well. Wasn't that slop put in their trough? Wasn't that like one of the ending like spoilers for Ahsoka? Wasn't like one of the uh, stingers that she (laughs) went to? She went to the Halloween planet and. There was just like a planet of Michael Myers, like there were baby Michael Myers and mommy Michael Myers and grandpa Michael Myers and dog Michael Myers. All the trees were Michael Myers. Every single blade of grass was a little tiny Michael Myers. Well, they seeded it in episode I think that this is one of the dumbest fucking things. I hate this so much. When you had the force ghost of Michael Myers. Uh, Yeah, it's, it sucks. It was, uh, were you following? It sucks. Were you following the news when it seemed like A24 yeah, was going to get absolutely. it? absolutely. I mean, look, I don't like, mind you know, Miramax getting it because Miramax helped make the David Gordon Green movies, which I am a ridiculously staunch defender of. I we just, are fans. I just I mean, rewatched them. Fans. I just rewatched them back to back, man. And let me tell you what. They fuck and they're fun. And if you don't like them, that's absolutely fine. Get out of my party. We are fucking throwing down here. We're having fun with Corey Cunningham. We're fucking calling... Jamie Lee Curtis, grandmother. We are having a blast. It's good. I mean, I like those movies too, and I I really like Halloween Ends. And uh, yeah, maybe you know, it sucks. It sucks that it has the, you know, the the legacy sequelitis or the Last Jedi effect, mm-hmm. where you know people watch it and they just like, you know, I, I they they don't get it and they're uh, they're upset. And that's absolutely <laughs> like, fine. Like right, you cannot fine. get something yeah, and fine. not like it, but to like then call it bad it's just like yeah but like sure i guess so like i remember saying it to somebody that came out of the theater when like halloween is there like michael myers is barely in it and i'm just like one that's not true the idea of michael myers is not in it as much as you want him to be but two we've we've got 13 of those movies there's 13 of them go watch that and in halloween kills he fucking rips people apart but he's not really in He's never in the movie that exactly. much. It's the whole thing where they're just like, like, why not, are we like, following these dorks? And I'm like, these dorks are my friends. These dorks are the movie. It's every movie. It's the every movie. movie you're following dorks. Yes. Like, that's what every movie is. That's a good point, actually. It's, you're yeah. quite right. I mean, I've, I've seen all the Halloweens now. I'm, I'm well-versed. They are your following dorks who get killed by Micah Myers, and you don't see him that much. Except for maybe, like, I think H2O, you see him a good amount. Yeah, especially his eyes. I feel like he has the most, I think he has the most screen time in, like... 
H two. I don't know sense. that for a fact, but I feel I feel like that's it makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's that's yeah. that's the one where it's like that's the first like legacy sequel after like yes. all the stuff where it's just like ah, the image of Michael Myers. Yes, but uh, yeah, I think this sucks. I don't. What the fuck is the po- like? I they're doing like, like a season do, of the like, witch thing. I get it. it. Where they're like trying to go back to the roots of what Halloween was supposed to be. So in that way, it is kind of fun. If so. But is it going to be like proper anthology? This is what I'm saying. People are going to even like that. This is what I'm saying. Like if they can make a really fun, interesting, like wouldn't it be cool to have Ari Aster direct an episode of Halloween? And he gets to just kind of do whatever he wants. And it's about the spooky season. It doesn't have, have to have Michael Myers in it. Like when they say cinematic universe, I'm just like. What are you tra- like? It has to be like an anthology type thing, even if it's like seasonal. I I would hope that it's episodic. I feel like episodic would be fun, kind of like Twilight Zone, uh, Outer Limits say, stuff. If it's, if it's Halloween, if it's like Halloween Black Mirror, Halloween Twilight Zone, I yeah. I do kind of fuck it, with like that. with Black Mirror. It's like, but if you, it's like inner, but it's the it's the interconnectedness of it that I I worry about because like if it's bottle episodes made by mm-hmm. talented directors, that's cool. But also like that can only really exist for a season meaningfully you know unless they unless they do season of the witch where it's like michael myers isn't even in this and it's like a different fucked up thing that feels like it's connected to the oeuvre Mm -hmm. of michael myers goes to hawaii i mean i would watch that i would too anybody go to hawaii like that remember beetlejuice 2 was all about like beetlejuice goes to hawaii and everyone was like sure (laughs) okay sounds like the dumbest (laughs) thing in the world but i want it I need to see it, actually. Uh, yeah, I the mean, like, it's on not... the coast. <laughs> I think when it's like, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, it'd be cool maybe if they do like the movies or Michael Myers and the show is like the story. I mean, I don't know. It, what I would what would make me happy it would make me eat my hat or have egg on my face, whatever phrase you want to use, is if they just do something with these rights that encompass TV and television, that's in a way that's new and surprising and, and very creative, something that I, that we can't see coming, but just given the language in this article and you know, what we've seen uh, of like, le- you know, feeling the, the legacy sequel itis, you know, it's, it's hard to see where, and I just feel like Halloween just doesn't really fit that mold. Even something like, I feel like scream and I don't want them to do Scream TV shows. I mean, they already did. Would fit. They already did. But, like, I mean, if they were to do it in, like, the now with, like, the current Screamiverse with these characters, mm-hmm. I could kind of, like, imagine it better. Whereas, like, Halloween, I just I just can't, like, picture it. It has to be, like, an anthology thing. Like, that has to be what's going on because it doesn't yeah. make any sense to, like, cinemat, like, to, to, to MCU Michael Myers. It doesn't make the MMCU. Like, it doesn't it sounds, make any sense. It sounds disgusting when you say it. Like, it's disgusting. It's weird. It, and then, like, Halloween is, like, one of my favorite franchises. I love the ups and downs of it all. I think that that's why I connected with the, the new trilogy a little bit more than some. Uh, just because, like, I kind of just genuinely love that franchise. I like the character Michael Myers, and I think that what they do in Halloween Ends is extremely interesting. Like, I think it's, like, genuinely... In a series that has really not shown me anything interesting since maybe the first one, Halloween Ends is the is the first thing that like has this idea of just like how does somebody become like this like and, and really goes for it does not tiptoe around it even the ending which kind of just goes back into that like let's give you the showdown that you're here for is over so quickly they they don't even leave the room it's in one room yeah and 
And then they're just like, no more of these. And it's kind of like a middle finger. Like David Gordon Green was seriously just like, this is the last one. I'm not making another one. So I'm just going to go for it. Who cares if people don't like it? And I think that that's cool to do. Uh, his Exorcist yeah. sucks. Um, you know, I'm not, I heard it's not good. I'm not a David Gordon yeah. Green shill. Like, I'm not like, oh, now that I yeah. like these, I like everything he has. I watched Exorcist Believer. I really wanted to like it. Fucking sucks butthole. Not yeah. good. Hate it. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I, I, I do really like that Halloween trilogy of movies. That being said, like, to do another series of movies, um... It's just because, like, it's just, like, the current, like, cinematic, or, you know, not cinematic, but, like, uh, movie business model that we're in right now. To do another trilogy of Halloween movies, even in the next five years, would just feel ultimately derivative. Because, like, what are they going to do that's different than the Gordon Green ones, you know? I mean, it could be cool. So as long do, as it's, like, not Michael cool. Myers, it's an anthology kind of thing, like, it, it could work. I mean, that's why I was excited, I, you know, not to sound like a, you know, A24 shill, but, you know, hearing the news, we're going to talk about it in story number five, mm. but hearing the news that A24 was more interested in doing uh, quote-unquote mainstream or, like, things with, like, better, bigger appeal, mm-hmm. but then that could be, that could have been, like, Halloween as their, like, approach to doing that, like, them taking an IP under their wing and then using that as a way to, like, you know, have bigger mass market appeal in a Halloween movie. I was just like, well, that strategy, I think, is interesting. It, it, ha- it stinks of you know, uh, Hollywood, uh, business, but it's like an interesting, you know, to give Halloween to someone that's not Miramax to see what it could do next. It's like, you know, I was intrigued, but to see them kind of like now that Miramax just like owns it in its entirety. And I don't know, I'm, ba- I'm, I'm babbling, but it just kind of, you know, when, when, uh, Barbie came out and then, uh, the studio was just like, we're going to make more Mattel movies. It's like, all right, fuck it. I guess no one, no one, is doing anything interesting. No one's no one is learning the right lessons. It's insane. No. It's like I don't know, man. It no. I don't I don't wanna I don't want to talk about it anymore. I it's it'll be it'll be what it is. We'll see. I will most likely watch it unless it looks like absolute garbage, which it very well might, but it also equally might not. Like we'll see. Like if you mean the thing about Halloween. Yeah. The thing about Halloween is that sometimes like Halloween movies like they're not, it's not like they're the pinnacle of cinema every every single one, you know? No. So, like, a bad Halloween is like, well, that's fun. I want that. So, if this can be bad enough in a way that feels genuine, yes. I'm there for it. Yeah, it's... But I don't know. <sighs> yeah, it... Yes, yeah. The worst thing it could be is boring. That's that's the thing. The worst thing it could be is boring. Yeah, and that's fine. So We've had boring bad. Halloween movies before. Like, it's just like, all right, fine. Yeah. And honestly, like, yeah, you because you can't do Michael Myers right now. Like, you like they, they just got done doing that, and it had been so long since. Like, yeah. Friday the 13th kind of did a similar thing, where it was like a very Tales from the Crypty kind of like Friday the 13th, the series, where it was like kind of each episode was its own little, like, monster story of the week kind of thing. And that could be a lot of fun. Again, horror Black Mirror. Like, you know, you lean back in the sci-fi. It's all Halloween-based. You drop six to eight episodes directed by different interesting directors, written by different interesting writers uh, right around Halloween. You drop it on, like, October, like, 15th or whatever. Could work, but yeah, we'll see. I would like that. And maybe we will see uh, him go to Hawaii. Story number four. 
What, what we got? Uh, what do I got here? Let me. Uh, I didn't look. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, find okay. So room. <laughs> uh, this is uh, a Blu-ray uh, snap case of Paw Patrol: The Movie opening and closing. It doesn't sound like Paw Patrol. Ridley Scott watched the new Alien movie and said, quote, it was fucking great, says director Fed Alvarez. Semicolon, I was terrified waiting for his reaction. It's an insane headline of an article. Mm-hmm. Written by Zach Scharf at a variety. Uh, Don't Breathe and Evil Dead director Fede Alvarez is reviving the Alien franchise next year with the release of a new sequel reportedly titled titled Alien Romulus, which he co-wrote with Rodo Saegas. The film will tell a new story within the Alien universe after the film franchise came to a halt following Ridley Scott's prequel films, Prometheus Ooh. and Alien Covenant. Yay. Ooh, yay. You like Prometheus? I like Prometheus just fine, but I like Alien Covenant more. We'll talk in a second. Okay. I like them both. I like them uh, both too. The latter's, middling, yeah. the latter's middling box office ended Scott's run. Alien, uh, the latter's middling box office ended Scott's run. Alien Rom- Romulus will be the first Alien movie released since Disney's, since Disney acquired Fox. Speaking to Gamble del Toro at DGA Latino Summit 2023, Alvarez confirmed that his director's cut of Alien Romulus is finished, and he recently had to go through the incredibly tense process of obviously sending it to Ridley Scott, who is a lead producer on the sequel. Scott Scott directed the original Alien in... Ridley Scott directed the original Alien in 1979. Quote, I wanted to see... I wanted him to see it before anybody, Alvarez said, and everyone gave me the heads up that Ridley is really tough. He's really tough, particularly if that has something to do, particularly if it has something to do with one of his movies. He was really tough on Blade Runner 2049, which I thought was a masterpiece, and he had issues with it because it really, it's really hard for him because it's his work. I asked him about the new Top Gun, and he's like, meh, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, my brother's, my brother's was original. And this is like, eh, he really respected it, but you could see how tough he was. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to win this one. End quote. Alvarez was terrified to meet in person with Scott after Scott watched Alien Romulus for the first time, but he knew that he had to be there in person to listen to Scott's thoughts. Quote, even if he didn't ask for it, I was going to go there and sit at a table and look him and get it. Even if he was going to say, you destroyed my legacy. I wanted to be in front of him and see him in the eye. I didn't want to get an email where Ridley says dot, dot, dot. And then he walks into the room and he did say, Fede, what can I say? It's fucking great. For me, it was like my family knows it was one of, for me, it was like my family knows it was one of the best moments of my life to have a master like him who I admire so much to even watch the movie. I made, I made, but particularly something like this, and talked to me for an hour about what he liked about it. One of the best compliments he said was, the dialogue was great. Are you the writer? Yes. Uh, Ridley Scott liking Fede Alvarez's new alien is cool. Did you see Evil Dead? Do you see his Evil Dead movie? Yeah. Have you, that movie fucking rocks. Uh, yeah, the the first... You, I, I really... Yeah, 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 no, that's like, uh, it's, it's a nasty little movie. I... 
I like the combination of the new nasty and the old goofy uh, with um, Evil Dead Rise. Yes. I prefer that. But that first one, like, you can't kind of deny the cultural impact that had to. Everybody freaked out to that trailer together for, like, months. Yeah. Oh, did Fe- I thought the Fede Alvarez do the Evil Dead Rise or just Evil Dead remake? Oh, just the Evil Dead remake. I'm saying oh. that I- I'm saying that I prefer the Evil Dead Rise uh goofy and I, and like super nasty uh kind of combination. Yes, I agree. Sorry, I, I, I thought that he did Rise? Evil Dead Rise. I don't yeah. believe no, so. That was Lee, that, no, it was Lee Cronin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He you. did the original, which, like, I love Evil Dead Rise. Fuck yeah. But I also really... Evil Dead Rise I really do yeah. like the, the remake, reboot one, just for, like, generally how nasty it is and the fact that, like, that thing got into, like, theaters. Yeah. It's neat. That movie is scary. That movie is, like, scary. It's, all, it's so fucking mean. It's a mean... Like, that's what <laughs> it, I mean. Like, it, so it, it doesn't mean. really pull any yeah. punches. The director's cut of that thing is also just, like out of control like you can just tell that they're having yeah. so much fun being ag- aggressively nasty in the same way that like sam raimi kind of was aggressively nasty in like in the original two but like in a kind of like he's got that raimi touch like he can just make it silly and fun right. but still disturbing yeah i mean i think uh it's hard to know what romulus will be about um i mean it seems like why well, imagine it's going to be like, it's going to kind of feel very, not re- like spiritual reboot, where it's like, it's so separate and it's so like a side I think, story. I think that's what they're doing is like, you know, you know like in a yeah. galaxy far, like in a, in a different, a different sector, people bump into them. And I know that it's supposed to be um, alien versus like kids. It's supposed to be like young kids and teenagers are the only that's ones. Cool. I mean, that's a cool, yeah. that's a cool, you know it's a thing that alien has not done. And like, you know, they're going to, I have a feeling it's going to be more of like a hard, the, the Ridley, you know, Prometheus and covenant. Um, they are very like heady sci-fi movies that are also horror movies. I have a feeling that this movie is going to be a horror movie. First, a sci-fi movie. Second, like, I don't think they're going to be talking much about like alien lore in this no. film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's something that like Covenant like kind of swerved into as well too to get a little bit back to the horror. Much to Ridley Scott's dismay, uh, he really wanted to kind of explore like the themes of like you know rebirth and creation and stuff like that, right. which is like very interesting in all of those movies. I prefer like the Frankenstein House of Horrors kind of thing uh, to like the kind of sleekness of Prometheus, but. I think that I think that Prometheus actually operates as more of like a standard horror movie actually than Alien Covenant, even though Covenant kind of like devolves into like an action horror, like in its like final act, which is fun. Yeah. Um I also I still need to get back and play, finish playing the game. Did you ever play the game? Isolation. Yeah. Uh no, I heard it's great. I, I heard it's literally really had to stop playing it. I made it like halfway through, and it was scaring the shit out of me. It sounds it, is, it sounds fucking terrifying. It is yeah, <laughs> fucking nerve wracking. It is so bad because no, it sounds very scary. Because it's like something to like the the. It's not full on AI, but like there's something about like um that I read like where the alien like the code learns from the player as you play on a new file, right. and it learns what you do and how you move. 
and it also randomizes how it reacts. So it never reacts the same way. So it's not like a set path where, you know, you keep going, you keep dying, but you just like you learn more the further you get and you can make a run for it. It's like, right. no, it just like shows up randomly. And, it, mm. and it's so scary. <clears throat> There's like a scene where like you get locked in a room with it and it's like a circular room and you have to just keep moving around while it's filling with gas and like it's on a timer and you're waiting to get out. It's something like that. And I just like could not do it anymore. And I just stopped. I just stopped playing. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't. My body cannot handle this anymore. Uh, I think even to this day, like, you know, the 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 horror, like the survival horror games, like not even like the ones where you can like actually fight, but like um, amnesia and games like that, where you're always like escaping like a monster or something like that. I think isolation still remains to be like the best one. It's intense. It looks great, too. I think that's what like most people who like like that genre would would say. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm always excited for more Alien um, now that I'm I've. I've uh, come full circle on you know seeing Prometheus and then rewatching Covenant. It it is just sad that it seems like what should be the prequel capper to that trilogy will just never yeah, happen. It does suck. It I mean that's probably it's, it's never. Sad. I, I held happen. that hope for a long time. Uh, me too. No, I don't think so. Where I was like, come on, Ridley, like you can get it done. Like you just like I think the shuffle. I think the studio acquisition stuff. I think kind of killed it. Yeah, it absolutely. That was it. Yeah, it's, it's a bummer. But yeah, I uh, I actually really, I really like Prometheus because um, <laughs> I think it like it does legacy sequel in a way that's like I think the smartest where it like feels like it's kind of it, it has very similar beats to the first Alien, but it's like so much more thematically about other stuff that like it is just really fun to watch. I love the aesthetics of that movie. Um, I think it's great. And then Covenant, I do really like, I, I do think some of like, I am in that camp of like certain like character decision-making uh, is a little dumb, but it, the fun ride of it all works ultimately. Sure. And, and the conclusions that these dumb decisions lead to are ultimately very fun to watch. So oh, yeah, that's what I feel I mean. about that. And I've come around on the Frankenstein uh, house of monsters type thing as well. Hey, so. do you get the flute now? I can get the flute. No, do you get do you get the flute now? Oh, do you get oh, Remember oh, Covenant well, with the I'll flute? Do, I'll do the fing, I'll do the fingering, you do the blowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do get the flute now. There we go. That's a callback, baby. Yeah, I remember uh, <sighs> what a glorious time. Well, when you watch a movie, movie without from, context. Well, no, for sure. And that's like I, nothing makes me Which happier than than people kind of coming around on like just super freaky shit, like like, I, like yeah. I was the same too. Like, I think that you were much more into Halloween Kills than I was the first time I watched it. I was kind of like, that's not what I wanted. I feel like it's a little too on the nose and dull. And then I'm like, I watched it again like a couple weeks later. And I was like, wait, that's the point, I think, is that it's like yeah. kind of like it's not self-serious in these things. It's not taking itself that seriously in what it's doing because it's a fucking Halloween movie. Well, I was always really into fear is the cancer of a community. Yes. Yeah. It's the, and I was always dialed into yeah, that. And I think that's really yeah, cool. The, and the, then like Halloween ends. Yeah. Expounds on that. It's, in a crazy it's way. like the first one is what Michael Myers did to Lori. The second one is what Michael Myers did to Haddonfield. And then the third one is what Haddonfield is now doing to its residents. Like it's the cycle yes. and it's a creating its own. There's always going to be a Michael Myers. There's always going to be a boogeyman, so to speak. Right. Uh, my Halloween costume this year is actually uh, Corey Cunningham, like his scarecrow mask and like sweater. 
that he Ooh, like wears. That's good. It's pretty good, right? That's a deep cut. It that's is. Cut. I'm just gonna party. I like that. Um, I will say, you know, it is interesting. I, when I said like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't like Alien Covenant at first because I didn't see Prometheus. I didn't see a lot of Alien movies at that point, so I didn't like it that much. Makes sense. Um, but then having the context, I do like it. It does kind of make sense. Now that I said it out loud, though. I'm like, well, it makes sense to put out an Alien movie that there doesn't need to be any context for because the thing is they all kind of like they're very like alien movies are very like they're sequels like they're all like they're very much in continuity like oh, yeah. they're not like mm-hmm. you know which is kind of weird that there hasn't been more just like there's fuck these people are dealing with alien yeah. i don't know these guys i mean i think it's like they kind of shot themselves in the foot with like the idea of like you know ripley takes place all throughout and all throughout all four people need to not know about the aliens yeah. And it keeps jumping and stuff. So it's like, no, she needs to be the only people that have interacted with these things. So when they made the prequels, they were like, well, we have to make sure that no one ever finds out about these because th- right. we can make it where like, you know, the the corporation like covered it up and stuff. And they do that to a certain degree, both in like Resurrection and with like Prometheus and Covenant, where the corporation is aware of them and kind of keeping it a secret. But you can just kind of keep using that as like a kind of loophole where it's like, yeah, you can have a ship out there in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of kids on it and an alien got on there. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally cool. I think uh, final note on it for me, I think that I have um, I think I told you about it. I was reading it early in the year and I still need to finish it. But uh, they released a book that is a uh, book adaptation of the original screenplay for Alien 3. Mm hmm. And it's fucking great. And it has like, you know, characters like um, their names are escaping me right now. But the the two main, the, the kid and the guy who are like oh, the other main characters. Uh, Newt. Alien 2. Alien. Newt. And, yes. Newt uh, and is, it, um, is it Hicks? It is Hicks. Is it yes. Hicks? I, so I always they, get the name. So they're like their names in, confused yet. I know. So he, they're like in the movie and it's like a really cool like. You know, people. I know there are, there are stands of Alien Three, um, but this version of it does seem to be like the more proper one, and it's real. It's written by like um, was it William H. Gibson, I mm-hmm. think, uh, and it's like adapted by this like insanely talented sci-fi writer. Um, she's great. So hopefully, long story short, uh, I hope that they make a book or comic book version of what Ridley Scott's conclusion to his alien saga. That would be great. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Give me, give me like a Michael Fassbender lookalike playing David and just being, being a a, a creepy little space scientist. Give me something. Just give me something. All right. Moving on to our final story. Uh, Story number five. Let me see here. Um, nothing's coming to mind. Oh, hey, maybe it's the sound of the drawer. I found uh, the friends who made a harmonica. A musical episode. A cousin to the flute. A cousin (laughs) to the flute, as they as they always say. Report A24 to expand and produce more commercial films. Written by Raphael Helfand at The Fader. Uh, This was originally reported by The Wrap, but to read articles on The Wrap, you need a subscription, and I'm not doing that. 
This article goes like this. A24 is expanded by its auteur-driven strategy to include more commercially viable films, the rep reports. According to a top agent with knowledge of the company, A24 acquisition exec Noah Sacco made the talent agency rounds this summer looking for action and big IP projects. This move, the agent said, is part of a larger strategy of de-emphasizing the traditional character-slash-auteur-driven dramas that have been beloved that have been the beloved indie, indie studio's bread and butter since founding in 2012. Last March, the Manhattan-based equity firm Stripes paid $225 million for less than 10% of A24, putting the studio's overall valuation in the ballpark of $2.5 billion. A24's apparent pivot, sources told The Wrap, is partly due to their need to keep up with this massive appraisal. The company's previous vision of putting its money behind riskier art house drama, uh, art house dramas and genre films has been a success in most senses of the word. Last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once became the first A24 movie to make more than $1 million at the box office. $100 million at the the box office. That would be not good. Uh, It also won five of the six major Academy Awards this year. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Supporting Actress. And The Whale, another high-grossing A24 film, won the six won the six Best Actor, oh, the, the sixth Oscar, which is Best Actor. Um, despite all of these accolades and remarkable success of A24's biggest hits, the studio has lost serious money on many of its recent gambles, including Waze, The Green Knight, and Bo is Afraid. The bottom line is that auteur films don't work, and... Auteur films don't make money any, sorry, quote, the bottom line is that auteur films don't make any money and are super risky, end quote, the top agent told the rap, quote, it's not, it's just not a good long-term strategy. They have to have a good balance of both, end quote. Another source close to A24 argued that, argued with the agent's characterization of the company's expansion in a statement to the rap, the studio will focus on uh, altruistic films, the source said, but we'll be doing more and widening the aperture. The fader has reached out uh, to a representation of A24 for further comment. So, not as scary, I think, as the headline implies. Um, and I don't know. I mean, if A24 wants to put out more everything everywhere is all at once, I think that's like a fine flag to plant mm-hmm. but it does reek of you know marketing speech and hollywood i don't know I, I mean it's uh they need to keep make money. going yeah they need to keep changing yeah. and making money i mean i'm kind of looking through uh all of their stuff right now like you know man the earlier days of a24 like Spring Breakers, um, The Spectacular yeah. Now, Denis Villeneuve's Enemy, Under the Skin, just like The Rover, all these like movies really that were just like really good but very small. I'm trying to see like what their big, what their first like maybe big big one really was. I guess it would be Room, um, with uh, Brie Larson. That was the first one that I think got like a shit ton of attention like because it got like a bunch of like awards and stuff like that uh the witch had a huge uh which was big the witch had a huge like uh marketing campaign that it kind of bit itself in the ass 
A lot of people know about the yeah. lobster. Swiss Army Man, not so much. Um, yeah. American Honey and Mo- well, Moonlight too is like <coughs> the real big one. And I feel like I feel like Moonlight's really the one that that opened the rest of the doors. That's the, at the gigantic very least. one that was just like, oh, yeah. this these because after that it's like Lady Bird, Florida Project. Right. Um, I'm trying to find, and then 2018 would be uh, that's the double whammy of first reformed and uh uh hereditary eighth grade like they just like kind of took it down and just, oh, yeah, that like, was like nuts. when our that's when like when our best of the year lists were like only 24 because yeah, they just had like a solid lineup that year and it was i mean it's good yeah, it's good um it is funny too like where like hereditary was kind of just like ari Aster's first movie hereditary was just kind of like this like symbol of a 24 horror like this is their thing they're gonna really stick to this shit and like they're gonna become like a brand with all this and then his first movie to break away from horror is like one of the things that almost destroyed the company because they lost so much money on it i still have not seen have you seen did you i have not seen bo's afraid bo's, bo's afraid looks like it costs so much fucking money yeah. and it is the most like bizarre Ari Oster. I can't wait. Ever. I cannot like, wait to watch yeah. it. I truly, truly cannot. It's, it's great. I will say, like you know, I think Bo, Bo is afraid is like really good. I also don't know if I'm like the target audience for it because it does seem to be very concerned with like kind of the, the plight of being uh, Jewish. Um, the movie <laughs> is very much like about that, um, which I'm like you know can't really relate to. But uh, I did really enjoy it. It is definitely like, uh, a fucking. It's a trip, but uh. I will say, even watching *Boys Afraid*, though, like I, it wasn't, an, it, it wouldn't be on my top ten of movies of the year list, mm-hmm. which is like that's that's taste and that's like my own microcosm of of what I'm talking about. But yeah, I would have trouble thinking, and like I don't know, I'd be surprised if anyone really put it on like the best of list unless it really like imprinted or spoke to them. But that, I mean, that we'll all see. being said, we'll I, you know, <clears throat> I do think like. Uh, the idea of like widening the aperture of like the movies that A twenty four can make, it's like it'd be cool if like as long as they still made like smaller stuff as well as bigger stuff. Yeah, I think that that's what they're kind of getting at in some of those quotes. Yeah, like, that's already what still... Neon, that's like what Neon and Focus do anyway. Exactly. Right? Like, that's yeah, yeah. So it's and that's what they they're in that that trio of studios are more similar. To it's A twenty four is like yeah. we're watching you know we're watching a studio grow and branch off just kind of in the opposite direction of what we're used to and we have more of an eye on it it's kind of interesting where because it's like so many random people you know quote unquote random people like more your average person now kind of knows more about how studios work and stuff like that because of like marvel and disney acquisitions and stuff like that they kind of understand a little bit more than they used to back in the you know 60s 70s and 80s when you know, the standard of this would be like you would have your big guys, your Warner Brothers, your Universals, um, right? Uh, your 20th Century Foxes, your Paramounts. And then they would start making smaller movies for smaller budgets. So you get like Paramount, like Vantage, you get Focus Features. Um, they would just start breaking away and getting slightly more independent fare from these smaller like Fox Searchlight. We're just seeing kind of the yeah. opposite with A24, who's become super successful at making very, very good indie movies because it's the big guys are not making them anymore. Like they really did kind yeah. of like grab well, onto they, that. It's it's interesting because I feel like they make they make big movies that have the perception of indie movies. Sure. Because their movies aren't really indie 
anymore you know it's, they it's have, a, that's in, a tough word it's like, like it's like it's yeah. like well no and i'm not trying to like call you out i'm no, just no, saying no, sure. like it is a weird thing like we say the same thing about music like the shins is indie music but what the fuck does that even mean mm-hmm. i mean what? some of their like, music will change your life like they've got a couple songs that will actually change your life yeah mm-hmm. is that does that is that what indie means like it just means like you know indie has become like this all-encompassing word that just means like it's artsy like or it's Absolutely, like yeah. off the beaten path but then when you know you look at this quote that like you know may or may not be accurate by the reporting of this article but quote the bottom line is that auteur films don't make any money and are super risky you know it's just kind of like that's the stuff that makes me worried is if there's like a studio executive saying that because i'm like well i mean uh everything everywhere all at once is a intimate character driven drama that uh, is definitely an auteur film made by two auteurs and it just has big marketing appeal and it's just a bit more bombastic than your average A24 fair. Whereas like, I, I do think A24 does have an issue with like their marketing. I don't want to use the phrase like misleading because I do think a lot of fucking virgins like to be like, oh, well, like the, the trailer for Lamb made it seem like it was going to ruin my fucking life. And then I saw it and it was just artsy. It's just like, get over yourself. But I do think like, you know, the, the Green Knight trailer is not the Green Knight movie. I love the Green Knight movie. Mm-hmm. I, al- but, like, I also trailer love the trailer. Is, like, but it's just like, yeah, they're two I very also love different the trailer, But they're like, they're different. They're different. Like they're different things. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and that's like A24 has to kind of market these movies in a main like blockbuster appeal mm-hmm. to sell them. But like, I don't know. I I, I know like, um. The Northman is not A24, it's a Focus, right? It is Focus. That was like one of the big confusions yeah. of the time because so they were just like, that is the most A24 looking movie I have ever Extremely. fucking seen. But that being said, if A24 put out things like The Northman, if they put out like two Northmans a year and then three waves, mm-hmm. that's still a good studio, you know? Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see how big the aperture does widen in the future. I mean, they'll have to take the time. Again, it's like, you know, they started out with indie stuff and they're growing to a point now where they're kind of like, we need to take, it's going to be like, it's kind of odd. It's like bigger swings with less risk, you know, like they're going to kind of try and like get in there somewhere. I just don't force, I don't understand what that's going to be because all the big movies now are like, like, I think maybe they're saying that they're going to maybe just try and get maybe a little bit more fantastical, probably leaning more into like sci-fi, maybe action. Yeah. Uh, I can't see them tiptoeing into like the superhero stuff because like anybody with common sense and A24 of all studios have to have at least a little bit of common sense. They know it's over. It's, it's over. over. So. Like nobody gives a shit yeah. anymore. The past like five no. have flopped. Nobody cares. No, it's, it's, it's done. Dead. It's depleted. Or it is, it is dying. Yeah. Like it's it's going to be done unless you're like Marvel's going to, you know, squeegee it out and they're going to make like, you know, another 10 billion dollars doing that. But it's it's we're toast like it's done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're they're trying to do the whole like reset kind of thing. And hey, maybe it'll work out. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they can like the fact that they've taken a break from like X-Men movies and they're going to slowly work that in and then maybe just try and like start doing that again. Like that could work and make them some money. But it's like, for the love of God, guys, we don't need we don't need three of these a year with like five TV shows. Please, shows. please stop. Yeah, no. I don't. Please stop it. <laughs> if they can if they can throttle it way down and the whole universe on a whatever note and then take, you know, 
five years yeah. off and then come out with X-Men and slowly do it's, X-Men. It's, then... it's a business. And at the end of the day, they're just yeah. leaving money on the table as far as they're concerned. Like it's, it, you have to yeah. find the balance between the art and the business of the entire model. And these people that are in control are not artists. They are not people for the most part that genuinely okay. even like appreciate they're movies. People. They're businessmen. They know how yeah. to raise profits annually to keep shareholders happy. Like that's, it's as simple yeah. as that. And that's anybody that's listening to this. I guarantee that they have heard that dozens of times before I just said it. And that's just because it's a cold, hard fact. And it's not yeah. more nuanced than that. There's nothing else going on. They just need to make more money for their job. Uh, and they want to make more money for themselves and not the people that actually put effort into these things. That's it. They don't want to make more money for those. They people. don't want to that's, make more money for them. Absolutely not. They don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, like, you know, I don't think that A24, like, their their stamp of approval or their brand recognition is really going anywhere. I think they know that part of what makes A24 A24 is that, you know, it's a stamp of quality on most of their movies. Almost. Um, almost. But I do think, you know, there is, and I don't think, like, the irony sick Twitter sphere is actually a thing that anyone cares about unless you're like chronically online like i am but e24 does that have that like knock against it where it's like oh they all their movies are just like these like you know hipster art movies and they're you know not as interesting as people give them credit for and like you know i i always disagree with that i mean i think you know even something like the whale which is a movie that i don't like that much is still more interesting than a lot of stuff that comes out in the calendar year and it's cool you know and i want movies like that to come out and I think, like, you know, A24 doing stuff like that is cool. So, you know, I still am at A24 stan. You know, I don't think that they make, I don't think all their movies are hits, but they're always, but everything they put out, I want to see mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah. And I think that's cool. Okay. That is all the news for today. We will now be moving on. We're going to, we're running a little long, but I'm going to try and wrap it up quick. But we're moving on to the spotlights where I talk about the movies and streaming stuff that is coming out next month. Starting on November 3rd, we are getting Priscilla and What Happens Later. On November 10th, we're getting The Marvels, It's a Wonderful Knife. Knife, like what you cut people with. Mm. And The Killer. November 17th, we're getting The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also getting Thanksgiving, which looks cool. Trolls Band Together and Saltburn. On November 22nd, we get Napoleon and Maestro. Good weekend for movies. Coming to streaming, not a ton that I saw. A lot of things have started this month and will be continuing. But the new stuff that is exciting is Invincible Season 2. Woo-woo. Mm-hmm. It's coming out November 3rd on Amazon Prime. Blue Eye Samurai comes out November 3rd on Netflix. A Murder at the End of the World comes out November 14th on Hulu. Scott Pilgrim Takes Off comes out November 17th on Netflix. And Fargo Season 5 comes out November 11th on Hulu. Mike, is there anything here that really gets your giblets jibbling? I mean, uh, all, the, all those movies, like we're getting to that that fun stuff. I'm super psyched about The Killer. Uh, yeah. I'm psyched about Napoleon, about Maestro. Um, I'm interested in the Hunger Games prequel uh, just because... That name is so... It's just so it like... Is. We want to be Game of Thrones. Oh, yes. Like, uh, I mean, know. it's it, like, right. it's the book. And she like made the book just to like make a little bit more money. And they're just like, well, now we can make a little bit more money, too. Um, the trailers for it just look fun. Peter Dinklage looks like he's pretty interesting in it. Uh, and It is funny. I mean, it's kind of following the Fantastic Beasts. Very like, much. Yeah. 
Right. And it's it is interesting that like people would play by that rule book when well, I, I shouldn't say. Are those movies financially successful? Or at least absolutely not. That's why they stopped okay, making. Then, them. then why? Then why are we doing yeah. it? Then why are we doing it? Because it's there's no proven model for it working. No, it's they just <laughs> wanted to pump them out there because, like, again, it's not just the money in the movies themselves. It's like now you can make a Fantastic Beast ride and sell merchandise and all that stuff, and like having just trying to get all five of them, the original Plan Five, out there just will for the history books to consider it to be a success, but they just could not make it past three. Like that movie just bombed and it wasn't even the worst one. The second one's the worst one. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Grindelwald's crimes. Have you seen them? You do in that movie. Actually you don't. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Mainly the killer. I'm super psyched about. Give me another Fincher movie like right now. And as far as the shows, super psyched about the Scott Pilgrim, animation show uh very excited about invincible and uh fargo season five looks cool i wasn't the biggest fan of season four um but i like certain aspects of it and i really like the first three seasons so i'm kind of just like yeah give me give me more each season is they're not connected they're not right? I, they're like, well they they they're they're maybe a little they, bit they take place in the same timeline um but the stories okay. very rarely overlap like one of the fun things about the second season is it's like there's a character in the first season that's kind of like an an ancillary, like seventh tier character who's like the father of one of the characters. Okay. And then he's the main character of season two back like 30, 40 years ago, played by Patrick Wilson. And they kind of like talk about, well, that thing that happened back in the 70s, but it has nothing to do with what's going on. They're like the last time something like this happened, it was back in the 70s when what did you do? And he's very like vague about it and then it goes back and it kind of shows that so you have some of the characters when they're younger and then like season three i think takes place like in another part of the country but one of the characters from season one like interacts it's kind of like that like it's 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 just like little fun cutesy stuff that doesn't really interconnect everything too much but shows that it's like this is all happening within the same timeline the same universe yeah right right yeah, I mean, for me, uh, yeah, a lot of the movies I, I'm excited about. I almost like wasn't going to do spotlights because like, is there even a lot coming out next month? But we are actually getting a lot of good stuff. Uh, won't be seeing what happens later, unfortunately. Uh, Priscilla, you know, I'm interested by, about that one. I think I might skip the Marvels. I don't know if I really want to watch it. Uh, mm-hmm. The ki- Yeah, The Killer, I'm I'm also excited for. Thanksgiving, you know, it's uh, Eli Roth making that one, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty psyched about intrigued. that. Yeah. Saltburn, I want to see if it's as bad or as masterpiece as people are hey saying. Now, we'll see. Because <laughs> it's kind of, it seems to be one or the other. And uh, yeah, November, you know, Napoleon and Maestro. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Mm-hmm. I would like to see those. Extremely excited for Invincible Season 2. Uh, I just rewatched the first season and Claire watched it with me her first time seeing it. And we were both fucking amped. So I'm very excited for that. Damn straight. Um, but yeah, before we get out of here, Mike, what are you watching lately? What are, what's been on your... Your projector screen. Oh, I just finally caught up on, uh, we watched the fall of the house of Usher for the episode that we recorded on that, that came out last week. I'm on episode three. I just great watched stuff. the first two. That show is fucking good. It's great stuff, man. Got They're it. like, Mike Finley, do you want to be, you want to be insane? And he was like, say no more. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way like, <laughs> he's really, he's really like, it's, he's going crazy. It's, it, you, you just fucking wait. Uh, it's, it is yeah. extremely funny. 
Uh, like that's one of the things that I talked about that surprised me the most. That it's much more of a dark comedy. Yeah, the humor's. It's really very there. like very satirical, very cheesy, campy, goofy. Uh, not self-serious. Yeah. Like uh, it's got some really good monologues in it too. You know, Mike Flanagan is dishing them monologues <laughs> out. Um, he, he finds a good vehicle to do monologues in that show, though. Very much, yeah. I, you I, know, where it does it doesn't happen as much when characters are having that's conversations. Why, it's more of like it's in a proper place. Yeah, Bruce Greenwood is like one yeah. of the MVPs of that show because like his job in that show is so hard to just like sit in a chair and tell this fucking story constantly, Talk. and he just he, he nails. Eats. He's it. eating, bro. He nails it. Uh, I will say, I know you just probably spent so much time talking about it recently, oh. but uh, yeah, I really, I, I really. Very intrigued by that show. Uh, it feels so Flanagan, but also unique. But I was very, I, I was a little like, um, I feel like we've get, we've been getting so many like, eat the rich movies sure. or like, uh, this family's fucked up, like Knives mm-hmm. Out one and stuff like that, you know. And uh, I was a little bit like, oh, it's it's one of these, but I do think he takes it in such a unique direction. It, 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 I was, it, I was it just gets pretty, campier pretty and yeah. campier, dude. Like there are a couple scenes yeah. in that fucking show that are going to make your jaw drop with just how directly on the nose he's being yeah. in certain scenes. And you can tell like he's actively choosing. It's not laziness. It's not thinking that like, no. wow, this will blow their minds. It's just like, no, this is what I'm doing. And I'd like to just get through it real quick in two minutes instead of spending an entire episode on it. So this is what we're doing. And you're just like, cool. Gucci Coagula. Gucci Caligula might be the greatest insult I've ever fucking good. heard someone say. It's amazing. Uh, uh, the uh, yeah. yeah, and then I'm I'm also I'm finishing up all the Exorcist movies for an article I'm writing this week. Nice. Um, I just have to watch the Paul Schrader one. Um, and now I'm like now that I've kind of caught up on like I watched the Halloween movies. I've kind of caught up on my movies. Uh, me and D are trying to catch up on our TV shows now before November uh, so that in November and December, we can really start hitting any of the movies that we missed this year. Not a whole lot this right. year. Uh, the best of lists this year are going to be a weird one. They're Unless weird, things like, really yeah. change in the next like two months, which they very much could because we do have a couple big ones coming out. I feel like our lists are, with the exception of maybe a couple little ones that we want to give a shout out to, are going to be pretty similar Maybe different in ranking, but are kind of kind of have like there's only like, you know, 20 movies of big interest this year, you know, and that yeah. varies. I'm worried. I'm worried. And I always have this fear like every year that I, I'm missing a lot of the smaller stuff. Um, And this year I've been particularly I've had a good year, but I've been I've had a busy year. So I feel like I've, I've yes. missed a lot of movies. This has I haven't been, been an as extremely plugged busy. Year, I haven't yeah. been as plugged into movies in general, you know. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta do some research, look at some lists, and see if I can like you know, kind of catalog what I'm missing, like what my blind spots are, and then I gotta mm-hmm. go through it. But yeah, I just haven't had a ton of time for watching stuff. We haven't watching Fall of House of Usher, like I said, digging it. Uh, I just saw uh, Rosemary's Baby for the first time. Hell yeah, baby! That movie rocks. Movie fucking rocks. It's a good movie. That movie fucking rocks. It's made yeah, in like it's a good movie. what the year was Not, that? I was made? I was always afraid. I thought it was gonna be so. Yes. Yeah, it was baby. like 60 or 69. Yeah. I was so afraid that it was going to be like really like uncomfortably scary. It's not really scary. I mean, it's definitely uncomfortable. But, it's disturbing. Uh, sure. I was. It's disturbing. Yeah. But like, you know, it's there's just something about that era of like movies before like they were even like designated as horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like, this is just a weird fucking movie that is just like they, they no one doing that shit no more. Like, it's so good. Mm-hmm. 
It's good. It's, it's so good, good, man. Like just like the dialogue the in that movie shit. is just like out of control. You're just like that's one of the scariest things I've ever heard. Yeah, this situation is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, movie's good. But yeah, otherwise, I think that's that's it for mm. me. All right, Mike. Uh, let's get out of here. Uh, anything you'd like to plug? Uh, you just did a new freaking out with Flanagan. That's over that. on the. Is that on the main feed? Or uh, that's that on the main feed. Um, okay. We got. Uh, I've got my Exorcist article coming out. Should be out. I think around the time of this episode coming out. Um. Yep. And uh, keep an eye out, dear listener, for uh, my buddy Brian Murnane is writing apparently what's being described as like an op-ed manifesto for David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Uh, Brian got very upset that people were coming at Halloween ends and the trilogy as a whole in response to Exorcist Believer hate. And he really, really likes that trilogy, too, even more so than me. So he's putting together something that apparently is going to get you know, people are going to call the cops on him um, that we're going to be posting to the public, uh, I think, on Halloween day. (laughs) So if this comes out Halloween Eve, it should be coming out tomorrow if you're listening to this the day it came out. All right. Please check that out. I want to check that out. It's going to be good. I'm so excited. Uh, Nothing nothing new from me. A little slow uh, in my writing world. I do have an article that's in that's written and in the chamber but sometimes they take a while for them to get published so uh you know if you're ever interested in what i'm doing follow me at robbie bay pretty much everywhere uh if you're interested in my writing which is usually in the video game sphere uh you can find my portfolio on any of my socials and check out the stuff that i like to write about and hopefully more things soon uh, i gotta do some more pitching my day job it's fall in the hudson valley and i work I at a brewery so <laughs> it's been busy which is which is good for me. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to this episode of Story Screen Reports. This is not the only podcast that Story Screen does. Story Screen Presents is a home to many articles, podcasts, and reviews. So please head over to our website to check out all of our amazing stuff. Please check out our members-only feed for only a few bones a month. You can check out all of our amazing, extremely niche content Mike and I are about to record an episode about the Ninja Turtles for a podcast that I forget the name of. I think it's Turtle Getting Swamped. Getting Swamped or Peeling the mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, let me get a tune before we get out oh, of here. Oh, yeah, sir. You got it. Guy watches Ninja Turtles 3 once. That's it. (laughs) All right. Till next time, guys. Thanks. 